Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Because when you, when you help, the, help the family, you're helping the church, and you're helping the cause of Christ. And uh, I'm hoping to write a couple of books soon, and one of them I would like to write on stewardship. And it's entitled, Your Ship Has Been In. A lot of people say, we're waiting for my ship to come in. Well, it's been in. We just need to unload it. We need, to, we need by faith to avail ourselves of that. And, but then I want to write on the family, not because I am such an expert on that, but because I've learned through 50 years of marriage. In June, Shelly and I will be married 50 years. And I bought her first pair of shoes. She was a real little girl. When I bought her. She, don't, she don't look old enough to be married 50 years to me. When I introduced her, she goes, are you her dad? I said, no, I'm her, I'm her husband. <laughs> but uh, I, I just love the spirit in this church. It just feels calm and warm. Not every church has that, believe me. You, you just, that's something you don't want to take for granted. People love each other, love God, love the lost. That's what it's all about. There, there was an Arab one time, an Arab over in the Middle East years ago, and he was riding his camel across the desert. And the sun was getting ready to set, and so it's time to eat. He parks his camel and uh, gets off. He had a lantern. He took a lantern, lit it, turned the lantern up, and he had a little bag, had three dates in it. You know, they like to eat dates. So he took the date and he bit into it. He held it up to the flame and there was a worm in it. He threw it, threw it aside and said, well, at least I got two. So he got the second one. He bit into it, held it up to the fire. Another worm threw it away. Picked up the third one and just before he bit into it, he blew out the light. And he ate the date. <laughs> you say, well, what does that have to do with anything? Well, a lot of people, more than, unfortunately more than necessary, just assume that they're going to have worms in their life. They're going to have problems and there's no sense that you just give up and just accept this is as good as it's going to get. A lot of people like that. They just said, oh, I'm never going to really get total victory. I just stay away from the light and I won't know. <laughs> Well, God doesn't want us to live that way. Amen. Most people accept life as it comes. I never liked that song, Sur 
Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. I never cared for that song. Calvinists must have wrote that song. <laughs> but I never cared for that. Because God gives us counsel and wisdom so that we'll make right decisions. Amen. You know, over in Deuteronomy one time, God said, I'm putting before you life and death and right and wrong. And in the same verse, he says, choose this one. <laughs> he still gave them a choice if they didn't want to, but he even told them what, what to choose. Decisions determine our lives. And decisions is, we're not to live our life by trial and error. God has given us directions. And what I want to give you tonight is some principles. I like to live by principles. Principles are like the laws of God. They never change. They work anywhere in the world. They even work in Honduras and Brazil, anywhere else. Doesn't matter. Sometimes I ask missionaries, you're teaching your people the principle of stewardship? And they go, what? So the principle of stewardship. They go, oh, they wouldn't get that. I said, what? You're robbing your people. Stewardship is a major principle in the Bible. And it has so much more than to do with than just with money. Amen. But uh, I, I was amazed that most every missionary said, no, we don't, we don't teach them that. I don't understand it. Principles will work anywhere for anybody, and they'll work any time. We don't outgrow them. We don't need a new Bible. We don't need a new church, a new type of work. We don't need any of that. All that still works. That's God's way. And everybody wants to try new things. Well, some new things are good. They're not all bad. We know that. And we need to be in the world, but not of the world. We need to understand what kind of world we're trying to reach and what they're thinking and what they're doing. I understand that. But we're never going to win the world by changing to be like the world. We'll never, that'll never happen. And so I want to show you, show you, and I don't know here if you do a lot of note taking. I've trained our people for many years to always bring something to write on. On the back of our bulletin there's a place for notes and it may distract you. It doesn't mean you're not spiritual and the guys that write notes are. It doesn't mean that at all. Some people can remember. I can't. But these things are some things, if I were you, I might consider writing them somewhere on, in the back of your Bible where there's a leaf that it won't fall out. Part of, most Bibles have some of those in the back because these are major. They're major ways to make sure you and your family and your children will, not might, they're guaranteed, you will prosper. Amen. I didn't say you, you won't have, that'll take care of all your problems, no. But you will prosper. And I'm not talking about getting rich overnight. I'm not talking about that kind of prosperity that these guys are preaching out there. No, I'm talking about what it means in the Bible to prosper. And I'd like to give them to you tonight. Before we do, go to Hebrews. That's going to kind of be part of our text. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. And look at verse 11. The writer says, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you're a dull of hearing. He wasn't talking about literally their ears. He's talking about their inner ears. They weren't, they weren't listening. 
For when the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first, what's that word, principles of the oracles of God. And to become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. I know for a fact this church has been raised on meat. Some people, they get saved, they have to have milk. Some have to have baby food for a little while. But God wants us to grow, to become adults spiritually. Amen. A lot of churches are full of babies. And babies always want their way. They get the feelings hurt and they cry and they, all that kind of stuff. Strong meat, that's the goal. Amen. Verse 13, for everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Now, if a, if a church is growing, you ought to have babes, new Christians, Amen. just born, and you don't throw them a stake, okay? But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those, watch this, who by reason of use, use what? The principles, the principles of the Bible. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So that you're not deceived. Our world today says what was good is bad for you and now what was bad is good for you. I mean total opposite. Go to the book of Proverbs. Go back to the left of your Bible. Right after Psalms. I'm sure you know where that is. Proverbs. Look at chapter number 2. Proverbs chapter number 2. My son, verse 1. If thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord, and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He's a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of the saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity. Yea, every, every good path, when wisdom entereth into thine heart and knowledge, is pleasant unto thy soul. Discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. You know the book of Proverbs. The, the writer most of the time was talking to his son. But the application is for us as well. Not all the Bible's written to us, but it's all written for us. Amen. Amen. That's one of the keys of understanding the Bible. It's all written for us. Application. What did it mean back then? What does it mean in the Bible? Well, what does it mean to me? So what? I tell our people at the end of every sermon, you should be able to say, well, so what? So what? If, if, we, if any sermon that leaves us satisfied with ourself is a failure. That haunts me a lot as a preacher. I don't want to fail as a preacher. I want to preach God's word and his word will not return void. Coming to church ought to be like hopping up on the, on the 
emergency surgery. It ought to be like open heart surgery. Lord, open my heart. That's the way it ought to be. Not, it's not a comment for entertainment or show or check out or see who's who or what's what. <laughs> Principles. More valuable than gold, it goes on to say in chapter 3. We won't take the time tonight. But the Bible says we need to guard them and hold them tightly. Never give them up. Principles. It's already a challenge in a lot of Christians who are not anchored into the Word of God are falling for new doctrines and new ideas and out with the old and in with the new. And so if you'll get these principles, it'll hold you steady and it'll hold you, your children and your grandchildren. What are they? Let me give them to you quickly. Number one, as strange as it may sound, and I've given this a lot of thought, if you, if you study the Bible, especially through the Old Testament, but even much into the New Testament, it seems there's one thing that God seems to underline about Him, Himself. And you know what it is? It's holiness. There's more dark scriptures in the Bible about holiness of God than any of His other attributes. He has many other attributes, and they're all equal. One's not more important than the other. But it is, it's strange that how many times God... Reminds them, I'm a holy God. When he's holy, you don't fool around. You're not casual Amen. about a holy God. Amen. We've lost that today in a lot of churches and a lot of Christians. They forget, holy, holy, holy. Amen. But there's, a, there's a, a, a principle in the Bible that seems to stand out about for you and I that God expects for us more than all the others and that's why I'm going to put it first. The others are not necessarily in any certain order but there's the principle that seems over and over in the, is the principle of humility. God hates pride. Pride came from the devil. He was the author of pride. And God says, I hate, he says, I even hate the look of it. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Number one, a proud look. God hates it. Pride. That's a principle. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. Jesus, of course, was our greatest example of humility. And the Bible says, humble yourselves in the sight of God. Can God humble us? Mm-hmm. God can bring us to our knees very, very quickly. You know, blessings are like tests. God blesses you, and it's a test to see if you're going to be humble or you're going to be proud? You're going to give God the glory or you're going to brag about what you've got and what you've done? Most people can't handle blessings. They do okay for a little while, but pretty soon they become consumed with the blessing and forget the blesser. Pride. It's the root. It's the root of all sin. Pride keeps people from apologizing. Most churches would have a great revival if people that don't like each other 
would get right with each other. And by the way, you cannot be right with God and wrong with people. It, that's, that can't happen. Mm. That doesn't feel too good, does it? Oh, Lord, I love you. Oh, it's not her again, is it? It's not him. I can't stand that guy. Well, we don't have to like everybody. Thank the Lord. But we're to love one another. But you know what most of the time I've found that people that don't like somebody, they look down on them. They think they're a little better. Yeah. Pride keeps people from admitting when they're wrong. Pride keeps marriages from reconciling. I've done enough marriage counseling. So many times when the husband will say, yes, but when she gets straightened out on this, then I'll get straightened out. And she says, well, when you get straightened out, I'll get straightened out. And here we go. Pride keeps marriages from reconciling. Pride holds back revival. Pride puts you in the same circle with the devil. Pride can destroy churches. The Laodicean church lifted up with pride. We're rich, have need of nothing. Jesus said, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Can you imagine a church making God sick? So much pride. Pride can destroy a nation. I think our nation is in big trouble because of pride. She used to be so humble. During times of war and great conflicts, people would gather the churches, fall on their knees and humble themselves. If my people, which are called by my name, shall, that's the first one, and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Isn't that interesting? The very first thing. Pride can disqualify you for the service of the Lord. God can't use pride people. He can't use proud preachers, proud singers, proud Sunday school teachers, proud deacons. Pride can become a poison. It can run through your life. And most people don't see it in themselves. They really don't. Has it ever dawned on you that the way you see yourself and the way other people see you is sometimes not the same one? Very few people in all my years of ministry have I ever had someone come to me and say, Preacher, I want you to pray with me because I'm proud to the core. I've got so much pride. I'm very few. I probably could count them on one hand. I've heard them come and pray and help me with this sin and that, I mean, all the others, but very few, very few. And then there's the principle. Let's speed up a little bit. The principle of integrity. Is that important? Oh, absolutely it's important. Integrity. Unfortunately, some Christians are lacking a little bit on integrity. And don't you think for a moment that people don't realize it, they don't see it. They don't keep their word. They don't pay their bills. They're not honest. They, prom they, they don't keep their promises. Integrity. Integrity means trustworthy, honest. Great character. In Job, the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. And still he holdeth fast his integrity. 
His wife one time asked him, he said, Dost thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. I've heard preachers both sides defend her and say maybe that was his problem, was his wife. But I mean, he was in great pain and sorrow. And she said, well, just curse God and die. How'd you like to have a wife like that? Well, she lost 10 kids, so let's cut her a little slack. Hmm? Maybe she was hurting and bitter and wounded. We've lost everything. It's never going to be the same. Just curse God and die. I don't know exactly, but it's interesting that his wife mentions his integrity. We're talking about Christian homes. Family conference. Homes need humility. Dads need to be humble dads. Moms, teaching our young people how to be humble. And they need integrity. A lot of kids don't trust, they don't believe their parents because they don't see the integrity. God forbid that I should justify you, Job said, till I die, I will not remove mine integrity from me. Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. In Psalm, let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Psalm 26, judge me, O Lord, for I've walked in mine integrity. Proverbs, the integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Proverbs 19, better is the poor that walketh in his integrity than he that is perverse in his lips and is a fool. The just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Number three, the principle of morality. Ladies and gentlemen, our nation, in my opinion, which isn't worth much, I'm sure, I think our country's going to be destroyed from within, not from without. We're getting rotten to the core with immorality. Did you know that was, you historians, did you know basically that was the fall of the Roman Empire? The biggest, greatest empire in the world at that time? And it all crashed because immorality became as a way of life. They used to talk about America is God and mom and apple pie and baseball. Not anymore. It's adultery and abortion, drunkenness and drugs and wickedness. And people are accepting it. Preachers years ago used to preach all the time against alcohol. You hardly ever hear a sermon on alcohol anymore because it's acceptable. A lot of churches, progressive churches, even a lot of Baptist churches say, well, you know, we were kind of crazy back then. It's okay to drink as long as you don't get drunk. Immorality is not going to go away, ladies and gentlemen. And you, you parents and grandparents who have opportunities, I, I wish I had time, the, the power of influence of a grandfather and a grandmother that walk with God. I'm here tonight basically, of course God, I'm, humanly speaking, I'm here tonight because of my grandfather. Walking by his bedroom and seeing him reading the Bible at night, every night. 
listening to him pray, never missed a service at church, clean, never heard a bad word come out of his mouth. Wonderful man. But ladies and gentlemen, this, this thing of morality is out of control and the temptation is stronger than ever. And, and let, me, let me say this, no Christian is exempt from falling into immorality. One of the worst things that can ever fall in, out, into your mind or out, out of your lips is to say, that's never gonna happen to me. I'll never get caught, I'll never do that. Let him that standeth take heed, lest he fall. You can't lose your salvation, but you can lose everything else. Family, health, mind, material things, you can lose it all. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Number four is the principle of work. That's a principle. God made it clear in the Bible. Even, even when he put Adam in the garden, he said, I want you to dress it and keep it. I don't want you just sitting around eating fruit all day. I want you to work. What's happening in the last two years in our country? Paying people not to work. That's one of the foundations of socialism is to get more people to depend on the government. The principle of work. I wish we had time to look at Colossians chapter 3, but take some time and look at it, chapter 3. The Bible says we're to work, and it says we're to go to work. Men, are you listening? Women that have to work. It says when you do it, you really do it as unto the Lord. Work as unto the Lord. The Lord's your boss. You ought to be the best Christian wherever you work. You ought to be the best worker there. Amen. You ought to be early, stay late, do whatever it takes. Amen. You know, that's not very popular preaching. But the average Christian today is falling down into that area. A lot of homes are suffering, families are suffering because they're missing the principle of work. Number five is the principle of stewardship. I, I could preach forever on that subject, but it all narrows down to you don't really own anything. You think you do, but God owns it. The Lord giveth and the Lord can take it away. He owns everything. That car you're driving, that house you're living in, that job you have, those children you have, the health you have, the strength you have, everything you've got. The air, everything. And God places things in our hands. Not all of us have the same amount of things. Everybody's different. God puts in your life what he wants you to start with and he watches to see how, you, how you're going to handle it. Are you going to be a storage tank or are you going to be a pipeline? I've taught our people for years, you don't give to get. You give to get so you can give again. These modern preachers, they leave out number three. They just said, just give and man, you'll get it. That's a lie. God doesn't promise that you're going to get it. He says it's if you're a good steward. It is required of a steward that a man be found faithful. 
when God puts money in, in your paycheck or whatever he gives you, he watches what you do with it. And here's the principle. He that is faithful over little, I will make ruler over much. Read it. Read it. It's in the Bible. And the greatest thing you can do for your family, the greatest thing you can do for your family is to be a good steward and they'll never starve to death. God will take care of you. I was young, now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God promised, take no thought what you shall eat or drink or wear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It doesn't mean you'll be, God make you a millionaire. He could, I guess, but... God knows me better than I know myself, and God knows I couldn't handle a million dollars. I probably would, there's no telling what I'd do. I, why pray I got a million dollars? That's what happens. Some people get so much they don't need God anymore. They become independent. It's one thing to be an independent Baptist. It's another thing to be independent of God. I hear, I've heard of these guys that give these lectures of how to be independently wealthy. Hogwash. That's not biblical. That's not biblical to be independently wealthy of God. Number, number six is the principle of Sunday worship. Ladies and gentlemen, it's in the Bible to stay. We're to honor the Lord and worship the Lord upon the first day of the week. And the Bible tells us, and I've mentioned it several times already, as we get closer to the coming of Christ, forsake not the assembling of yourselves, but more, so much the more, as you see the day approaching. You need the church. I've never really known a family, oh, you can survive, like the children of Israel in the, those 40 years, they were sustained, but they weren't satisfied. They weren't happy. You can live that way if you want to. But you need the church. I've never known a family to really succeed and grow in happy and peace and joy without ever going to church. Unto him be glory in the church. You're not going to get ahead by putting God behind. Number seven, the principle of faith. This is a basic fundamental principle truth in the Bible that a lot of, th everything hinges on it. What is it? Faith. Without faith it is impossible to please God. You want God to be pleased with your life? You know what faith is? I've heard so many great definitions of it. Brother Stewart's got a ton of them. And I like them. But to put it way down here on the level where Anybody can understand, even children, faith is depending on God. Amen. Did you depend on God today for everything you did? Well, maybe not. You see, what we're really good at, we, de we, we don't depend on God. We can handle that. God has no pleasure in that. In fact, the thing you're best at, whatever your talent is, you better be careful. It could become a sin. Because it's not by faith. 
Number seven, the principle of gratitude. The more grateful you are, the more it pleases God. If we had time tonight to read Romans, I mean, yeah, Romans chapter one, when everything was falling apart just before the flood, one of the first things at the top of the list that happened to that world is they were unthankful. Unthankful. Number eight, the principle of forgiveness. We've spent a lot of time on that already. But it's a principle. You're not going to, you're not going to succeed. This is basic. If you, if you miss first base in baseball, but you hit every other base and slide into home and everybody's clapping and the umpire says you're out because you missed first base. You see why, why I want you to write these down is because even for me, every now and then, I like to review them. How am I doing in these areas? Now, this one will make you smile a little bit, but because of time, I'm not going to spend a lot, because you'll know where I'm going with it. You know what the most of, of James chapter 3 is about? You know? The tongue. The principle of the tongue. Why is that a principle? The tongue can no man tame. And the tongue has torn up families and marriages and kids and churches and people more than all the alcohol and drugs and immorality put together in the world. The tongue. You need to pray every day, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto thee. Oh, Lord. That's all we have time for. And there are other principles, but those, I think, are among the most important. And if you can get those down to where that's how you live, you live by those. I think there was nine of them I gave you. You live by those. You're going to prosper, you're going to succeed, and you're going to be way ahead of people that are not living for God. That's a promise, not from me, from the Bible. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. Heavenly Father, thank you again for your patience as we're trying to learn. Thank you, Lord, that you don't just give us three strikes and we're out. But Lord, you keep loving and keep forgiving, and keep counseling and caring. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you that you never run out of those things. Lord, I pray you would help us to put some of these things in our heart and into our home, into our habits. And Lord, I pray during this invitation, people might draw closer to you, maybe come to the altar, maybe some where they're standing would pray. But Lord, I just pray that together we'd say, Lord, help us, help our homes. Help our family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.